Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path of recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Two guys on a path and a and a girl on a pony. Love it, man. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning, Glenn. How you doing? Good morning, Karen. Hi, Karen. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good, good, Karen, good. great to have you back. Yeah. Great to be back. Yeah, for those who missed it, go back and listen to Karen's story. Good stuff. Yeah, Karen's. We've had Karen uh, several times. Yeah. Excellent. She's a, she's, a re, she's a repeat offender. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's always great digging in, Karen. What did you do to, to get... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You got sentenced to doing coffees with Glenn and Mike. You got. Uh, this is really a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Why Look, wouldn't I want to get up on a Saturday? It's called, it's called on a community Saturday. service, right? Yeah, all right. Wait, wait, hold on. Karen wants me to sign something here. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. All right, now we're good to go. No, it's funny. We, uh, for those a little bit behind the counter, we get up early to do this. Um, our studio time starts at uh, 6 a.m on Saturday mornings. So Karen says to me this morning, she's like, or last night, she's like, hey, can you call me at, you know, five? I'm like, okay, well, can you call me at 4.55 to get me going so I can call you at five? So If you call me at 4.50, I can. I know. So I called Karen at three. <laughs> Rocking and rolling. Why do you get up this morning, this early in the morning? What What is driving you into this coffee shop this morning? I mean... I was thinking about that this morning. What am I doing? I know what I'm doing. I'm living my purpose. It's a beautiful thing. Amen, man. That's what I'm doing. Somebody might need to hear what we talk about yep. today. So it's important that it's out there in case someone needs it. All right. That's the beauty of uh, the world that we live in now with technology, which is kind of the beginning of this, this show. There's, you know, with, with the pandemic, uh, it changed the way people were recovering. I mean, they went digital. Uh, they went digital in a hurry out of desperation. And and uh, so, yeah, we just want to be out there in the universe of digital in case somebody needs some experience, strength, and hope to get them marching down their road to recovery. Amen, man. Speaking of technology, always got to recognize our technology podcast barista, Brian. Yeah, yeah. And Audio Hive down hold. in uh, Chicagoland. Yeah, hold up one second. Wait, Brian, are you awake? <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, he's good. I got a nod from behind the counter. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's our chat this morning? What, what are we going to uh, cover during our coffee? You know, I was in a, um, in a meeting with um, Karen not so long ago, and uh, she just she mesmerized me with the story about cleaning her house, which on topic sounds like, what? But uh, it just mesmerized me because, because it, 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 it connected logic with my desire to recover. And, uh, and, and she really kind of marched me through just kind of keeping – Keeping your house clean and organized and what that does to sobriety. So I thought it'd be great to talk about keeping your house clean. Now, is that emotionally or is that like physically or both? Both. It could be. Um, cleaning house for me is kind of emotionally cleaning house. How to mm -hmm. set myself up for success in recovery. Um, when, when I was new in the program, I had to eliminate people from my life who weren't good for me. People, places, and things were people, places, and uh, uh, play pens, as, my, mm. as a friend pens. of mine calls them, play it. pens. Yeah, right. 
<clears throat> so I have to realize that, first of all, I'm the one responsible for my own recovery. Nobody else. And um, You mean your uh, sponsor isn't? Nope. <clears throat> nope. Love and it's it. not fair to put that responsibility on any other individual. So all the choices I make are my own choices. That doesn't mean I don't seek input from time to time, but they're my choices. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I clean the space, like the house of my recovery, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I declutter, mm -hmm. and I get rid of things and people that don't serve me well anymore mm -hmm. or that aren't healthy in my life, um, people that are um, toxic to me or people that don't support me or people that it's not important to them that I recover. Mm -hmm. You know, if, they're, if, if people don't serve a purpose in my life, then maybe they shouldn't be there. And everybody who comes into our life doesn't have to stay there. Mm -hmm. Some people come in our lives and they never leave and other people come and they go mm -hmm. and that's okay uh so so by doing some of this i clear my mind i have a i have a neater space to work and i can i can focus now you know and then the people that are still in my life what i do with them is just set healthy boundaries because i've learned to do that um, but that's kind of what i do to prepare my my mind or clean the I guess it's kind of like cleaning house in my head, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cleaning there, my house head, so my much, head house. There's so much good stuff there. Is it, <laughs> is it a lot of work? I mean, I, you know, I, I know that, and you've got more sobriety than I do, and, and so I ask that question because I know I'm still in the process of reshifting kind of who's in my world and who's not in my world, and sometimes it's a little bit challenging. But I, you know, I've been told that it's the right thing to do, but it doesn't make it easy. How has the process gone for you? And Well, I have... You know, there's tools. We have tools that help us get there. And uh, I don't know how much whoever got up first has the most sobriety today. Because yeah. that's really all that matters. Not how many days it's are probably behind. Mikey. No, no. Not, <laughs> you not, guys were calling each other at 2 o'clock yeah, in the morning. Yeah, I know. Right. He just stayed up. That's all. Yeah, right. <clears throat> but the um, the tools that I have help me get there. Um, the f I have phone numbers in my phone at all times. And not just my sponsor, but... Um, any many people that I can call, friends in the program, and you know, I have to assume that sometimes I'm going to need to dial that phone. Um, and and when the phone rings, I pick it up. Yesterday, uh, I did get a call from a girl that I had met in a meeting. She collected phone numbers in the meeting, and she was going down the list, mm. and she needed to talk. <clears throat> and she said, "I've been calling, and nobody. You're the first one that answered." I said, "That's why you have more than one phone number in your right. phone." So kudos to her. For yeah, right. you know, keeping going down, keep going down the list. Mm -hmm. um, I also have the, all the books. You know, I read the big book. I read the twelve and twelve. I read the twenty-four hour reflections, the Bible, any other inspirational anything that that can help keep me out of my own head. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of Drop the Rock, Keep Great It Simple. Book. I'm a fan of the Four Agreements. That was life changing for me. What's that one? It's called the Four Agreements. Mm. It's not a recovery-related book necessarily. No, but, but it's it, a great life. Boy, related. is it a life lesson! I read it at least every year. I give it as a gift. That's all. Awesome. I don't know how. I buy it like a dozen at a time. Mm -hmm. They have this pretty box set, like a gift set. Mm -hmm. I buy it six or eight or ten of them, and I give them to people as gifts all the time. We should put that up in the resource room. Yeah, totally. Really in fact, I think they have one like the Fifth Agreement. They now, do right? have the or, Fifth or, Agreement yeah. now. Yeah, so I read that. So let, let me go back because you, you you mentioned about getting people out. Right as as a way of house, you know, keeping and and that really clicked for me with my Ferris wheel story. You know, when I look at life as a Ferris wheel, you know, sometimes you're on the top and sometimes you're at the bottom. And um, 
you know, at the bottom, you're not really happy. And at the top, you know, things are going great. <clears throat> and, and I have a picture in my office and has these beautiful gold cars. And, and what I'm reminded of, it, I mean, it took me about a year for this to click, but it's very important who are in those cars with me and going around the first wheel of life. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I had to do, and this is, this was, this is easily said, it was very hard, is I had to get out of a relationship. <clears throat> Excuse me, that was not good for me. It was painful to get out of. I, it was a yo-yo. I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out over years. It was an eight-year relationship. And I read this book uh, from Dr. Henry Cloud called Never Go Back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and in that book, he said, look, when you have to get people out, when you have to get out of a relationship and get people out of your life, if, if they're a key part of your life, he said, your life's going to suck for six months. And, and he just flat out put it that way. And he set the expectation, right? He said, it's going to suck for six months. He said, but after that, I'll guarantee you, he said, your life will be better than it ever was. So for some reason, I had faith in him. You know, I believed him. And, you know, of course, you know, I, I, it was seven years ago now. Uh, I went through a disastrous relapse. And, and I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm never going back. Um, and after five months, I wrote him and I said, look, I said, I listened. I had faith in what you said. I said, but you were wrong. I said, it didn't happen in six months. It happened in five. Mm. And, and it is so important to get things, you know, and, and it's not easy. It's, it, right. it comes across really easy, but that was a very painful, hard time of my life mentally and, uh, and, and changing my environment and changing everything and, and really taking a risk. But man, was it worth it. So I just wanted to underline that one point that you made about getting people out. Um, you know, there, there's no way I would be successful in that situation. There's no way I could stay sober. Right. And right. I proved it. Right. right. Well, we're not talking about people just in romantic relationships either. Sure. You know, pe- see the it heart, could be work heart- situations. <clears throat> it could be anything. It could be just friends that you yep. had. or It's hard once someone's in your life and then you decide, you know, I don't really... I don't care for that person anymore. Or especially as we get sober and we change, mm-hmm. we don't have the same interests as some of those people anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to have a, I don't know, a breakup for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. I've had to do it. And, and, you know, I finally had a conversation with the lady because we would, she would call me and I'd say, no, I'm sorry, I got something to do that night. I got, and finally I just said, you know, listen, I, our friendship isn't working for me. You know, this we have different goals in life right now. Right. And, and for personal reasons, yeah. she, she wasn't good for me. So right. it was a one-way street. Right. And, and today, I understand what a one-way street feels like. Mm-hmm. So, see, when I was drinking, I didn't know that. I, I would let anybody take advantage because as long as I could get what I wanted. Sure, right. So I think differently today about relationships. See, I understand today how precious life and time is. Mm-hmm. And... and the older I get, the faster it moves. But the more I realize, like this, I don't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather get up at the crack of dawn and meet with you guys and share with some people than to go have dinner tonight with people I don't want to go have dinner with. Right. You know what I mean? Right. As they say, life's too short. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm also aware of, you know, people that are out of my life or people that don't support my sobriety. Bingo. I mean, I had people challenge me, why do I have to go to another meeting? You know, and... and <laughs> And you know, just they weren't they weren't supportive. 
And if, you know, I had to make the decision, hey, if you're not supportive of my sobriety, you're out. It's been so long. Can't you just have one? Yep. Oh, I yeah. love those people. <laughs> oh, see, those are the people that, those are the people that I don't have space for. Right. The ones that want me to do what they're doing. Right. You know, I don't, I just don't have time for that. I have right. to invest my time as wisely as I try to invest my dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an mm -hmm. investment. So you only have so much to work with. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going into a couple of business deals with some guys, and I mean, I don't tell them my whole story, you know, but they're like, hey, let's go out and have some beers. I'm like, you know what? I don't drink, right. you know, and, and, and I just tell them, I said, look, there's a very good reason why I don't drink. I don't do that stuff. And, you know, if, if I get pushback from them, I'm not doing a deal. I mean, they're just, you know, but 90% of the time they get it. They respect And they're that. very supportive. They're like, sure. hey, man, no problem. Let's go to lunch. You know what I figured out? Most people really don't care. Hey, let's go out for a beer. Unless no, they have a problem. Unless they get a break. Right. When I when I go to dinner with a group of people and I order a Coke or water. Nobody cares. Nobody asks me why I'm not drinking. Yeah, right. You know, it. nobody cares. Right. It doesn't matter to them. But it's amazing. And I, I, I recall, vividly recall, you know, when I first got sober and going out, I'm like, everybody knows I'm not drinking. Right. You know? They're going to know. Gonna know. Yeah, guess what, Mike? The world isn't all about you. People, exactly. people don't really care if you're drinking or not. They don't care. No. no. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, so people, uh, your books, um, what other tools do you use to, to help you stay emotionally and journaling clean? is really important for me, really? um, especially in the beginning. What, what I would do when I have a business meeting or I'm going to meet with a client and there's a million things in my head, I do a, <laughs> what I call a brain dump. I learned it at a seminar somewhere and I thought it was ridiculous when I heard it and it's the, I love it. It's brilliant. So any, all that stuff that's floating in my head that I don't want to forget, mm -hmm. I just scribble it all out on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Now it's out of my head. My head is clear. I can focus on what I need to focus on. Mm -hmm. So I like to do that. In the very beginning, I did it before a meeting. And I would write everything down and get it out of my head. And in the meeting, when someone said something that made sense to me, I would jot that down. And then before long, I had journals and journals of just the best stuff I ever heard at meetings. Right. And I could take this out. I could read it. I could, I could refer to it when I needed to. It was amazing that I have a library, probably five inches of just notebooks filled. And every line is the best thing I heard at that meeting. Right. So imagine the best thing you heard at every meeting you ever went to. Right. All in, I should write a book called like Pearls of Wisdom or yeah, something. Right, like right. I think Mikey's best, got best 800, 812 of them or something. Yeah, I did. <laughs> in my in my first 500, I did. I do the same thing. You know, it's funny. I, I thought that, uh, I don't know if this is a politically correct word, but I thought journaling was a chick thing, right? Guess what? It's a guy thing, too. It's a uh, human thing. It's a human it's thing. It's a people thing. Yeah, you know, it's thank you. Now, Just that's a people thing. It doesn't correct. matter. Right. Yeah, so I am not a journaler. <clears throat> but at one point, they, they had this thing called three pages. Have you guys heard of it? Mm. So you're supposed to wake up every morning and just write out three pages. Mm. Um, just let it, like like you said, Karen, just, yeah, just let flow. it flow, right? <clears throat> so I did this probably a year into sobriety, and, and I'm glad I threw these away because they were— scary stuff, huh? Oh, they were so <laughs> hateful. And, and I'm just thinking back, and— Everything in my life, I just hated. I just wasn't in a good space yet, and I just ranted. It wasn't three pages of, like, 
thoughts. It was three mm. pages of hateful ranting. Mm. Um, so I'm glad I threw those away. But I, I think that might be something that, that I get value out of now because I think just comparing the two, mm-hmm. right, uh, just shows some growth, I think, you know, positive growth. Well, you also then you have you're creating your own resource content. Sure. So having those notebooks, especially earlier on, that was so powerful to me. I mean, there were times it was the middle of the night. Someone didn't pick up the phone. I didn't know what to do. And I would open those those notebooks that I filled up. Pearls of wisdom. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. okay, wait. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I would I would have these to refer to. So it was fantastic. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, keep meetings. I always keep meeting schedules with me, mm. especially when I'm traveling. Um, I just I started looking. You know, we have a place in Florida now, so I started looking for meetings down there, mm-hmm. and I started going to some online meetings, so that when I'm down there now and I, you know, go to that fellowship club, I'll see some faces I recognize. Right. I have to have some connections down there. Right, right. You know, it's important because when I go there, my illness will go with me. So you don't just fit in a meeting when it's convenient. <clears throat> you. Did oh, no, I just I, hear you say you I schedule your them. life around? That's I what I was just going to say, time. Karen. I was just going to say proactive planning. Yeah. Absolutely. Pur- purposeful planning. Yeah. Absolutely. Always. It, when I, if I do it the other way, and, and there have been times in my life where I did do it the other mm-hmm. way, it, it becomes less important. When I say, oh, here's everything I want to do today. Where can I fit in it? Oh, there's no time for a meeting. Yeah, oh, right, well. Right. But if I make the meeting... The, more, the most important thing in the day, and I say, well, I have to do this today. All right, so I'll be home at 930. Then I, could, then I start scheduling. I schedule my clients around meetings. Right. I schedule uh, you know, medical appointments and stuff around meetings. There's certain meetings in the week that I won't miss, mm-hmm. and I work around those. And those meetings, those are they're non-negotiable items in my calendar. That's fantastic. Fantastic. So, go ahead. No, I just, <clears throat> sorry, man, I'm still getting over my uh, illness from weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking as, as far as cleaning house emotionally, right, I think of the head and the heart, right? And when, when I think of, you know, cleaning house and the head, I think of, you know, I use the term <laughs> head trash, you know, and, and I have to clean out my head trash. Um, but then I also need to replace it with, with better things, you know, and, um, you know, it's in as I do that with the head trash, <clears throat> you know, as, as we were talking about, you know, cleaning house, I also thought about physically cleaning house. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, early in sobriety, I had junk all over the place. Um, in fact, I had a storage unit that was that had stuff that I thought was important to me from, you know, my marriage, from the different houses I lived in and. Every time, for years, every time I went to that storage unit, I would relapse. Mm-hmm. I just hated where I was at. Mm-hmm. I hated the memories. It was a reminder of me that I was a failure, that I failed. It reminded me of commitments that I didn't keep. Um, you know, and, and so every time I went there, I just couldn't handle that. I needed to escape. And every time I went there, maybe 12 times, mm-hmm. I relapsed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally... You know, physically cleaning house, mm-hmm. right? When I'm decided to live a different life and physically now, I went to that storage unit. I took a sober brother, and we cleaned that sucker out. Never looked back, mm-hmm. and it was it felt so good. But it also means you know, hey, I I didn't live that neatly, right? Mm-hmm. When I was drinking, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I had to clean house physically also, mm-hmm. um, and it means cleaning out the bottles, 
you know, getting rid of all the empty bottles. And because oh, yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to come across a half bottle at some point. You know, I didn't want to come up against that. So I got a sober brother and we went through all my stuff, you know, and I remember going to my tax attorney. I opened up a briefcase and had a half a bottle of vodka in there. I kind of missed that one. But, you know, um, you know I where think was, it's, where was the funniest place that you found a bottle? That was probably it, because I'm it. yeah, because I'm in there working on an IRS deal, and you know I'm I'm trying to explain to him my my problem with alcohol, and he's trying to he's rolling his eyes right, and so just by chance I said I had two briefcases, I brought them in, and, and one literally had a half a bottle of kettle in there, and I'm like ah jeez, actually actually hid one in my wife's drawer. Now that because I ran <laughs> out of my own, I ran out of my own spots. I thought she how often can she go in this drawer? All right, man, that's creative. That's creative. So I, I, I think, and just, just emotionally, it helps to go, get in there and scrub that bathroom. Yeah, right. You know, the right. first one of the sober livings I went in, you know, the first day I go in, the bathroom's filthy. You know, you got eight guys in there. I mean, I scrubbed that thing with a toothbrush, right. and I just felt better, yeah. you know? So cleaning up, you know, getting your laundry done on time, getting the trash out. And I remember calling my sponsor, Tom, I took the trash out. You know, I was so proud of myself. He's like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, and we think it's a big deal. Like, yeah. Wait, I folded the clothes as soon as they were out of the dryer, and I put them away. I know. You feel so much better. It's it's actually rewarding. Yeah. Well, this is good stuff. Any uh, wisdoms of Pearl on the way out of this morning's coffee? What would you hold on to? What's <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I I just think that if if you're if if someone out there is struggling with like how do I get ready for this or how do I start to get myself in a place you know uh, learn to meditate mm. just just sit for one minute quietly with your eyes closed and no phone in your hand mm. and the next time maybe you could do two minutes or three minutes and then five minutes um, you can go to prayer there's always someone or someone out there listening mm -hmm. um, you can and, and even if you don't believe that at least you let it out of you and it's it's not on your chest anymore. It's it's not on your heart. It's it's out of you. Um, volunteer. You know, mm. there's there are so many opportunities in life every single day to see how fortunate you are. And there's always somebody who needs something, whether it's um, financial or a meal or physical assistance <clears throat> or just company. I mean, there's some people that just you know, it's, there's a lot of elderly that just need company. Like, go visit people. All I have to do is, you know, uh, my husband used to go to the nursing home or the the assisted mm. living, and there was a gentleman who couldn't see anymore. He would just read to him. Mm. That's he just sit there and read to him. That's it. Mm. So you can go for a walk. You can go for a bike ride. You could, you know, whack some golf balls. Get out, get out of your head. Anything, uh, anything that'll get you out of your head, and then you're in a clear space to start working the steps. And, and get the things done that you need to do to get to a place where, where life doesn't suck anymore. Right. I think we're there this morning. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks, Yeah, that's Mikey. awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Good to see you guys. <clears throat> All right, man. We'll Clean. See you. Hey, you come back again? Clean house. I will. All right, awesome. Thanks, Karen. Thanks. See you, Glenn. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. 
Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.